we're playing in the national championship 95 brian and randy get a safety and and in the end after andrew's kick those two points is the game winner right yep. okay why does the quarterback pull down and get a safety in his in his end zone i mean he's not a fool he's, he's a well-coached kid he's a kid from a coaching family uh his dad's a coach so jerome on the back end we knew by personnel formation down distance, and especially in, in critical situations, what they wanted to do. They wanted to throw it to their tight end, who was an NFL kid. So we had a special call. We had a special call. And so basically, Blaine and I would bracket that tight end. I'd be outside low, and he'd be inside high. And then the mic or the inside backer would have, have that inside uh, short. But they didn't want to throw inside short because they were there. the down distance required a, a deeper ball. And I remember Chad, dropping back, putting his eyes on the, on the tight end. I do my bracket outside. He pulls up. Blaine's right inside. And now he starts to move his eyes from his right to his left. And all of a sudden, the few boys get him. That's the type of thing that was completely Jerome and Paulson and, and Reeves. Those guys spent so much time on tape that they uh, won the game. I mean, we executed it. Yeah, good for us. But they won the game. And then when I look back at that play, I get disappointed in myself. So I, I always think, dang it, I should have baited him into throwing that ball, undercut it, and heck with the B-Boys getting a safety. Let's get a pick six. Hello and welcome to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series commemorating Montana's run to their first Division I AA National Championship in program history. I am Coulter Nuanez for 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as the Grizz Greats podcast series. Myself and Ryan Tutel have put together a 25-part podcast series commemorating that epic moment in the history of Grizz football 25 years ago. And in this Grizz Greats episode, we are joined by David Sermon. He was a starting linebacker for the 1995 Grizzlies and a man who is from one of the a man that's from a family with a rich football lineage. David's older brother John played linebacker at the University of Idaho. Another brother, Pete Sermon, has gone on to great heights in the coaching business and is now the defensive coordinator for the Cal Bears. Many sermons have come through Montana and the Big Sky Conference. Cy Sermon, David's nephew, was a center on Montana's 2019 team and a team captain. Camden Sermon, Missoula Sentinel quarterback, is signed to play for the Montana Grizzlies, although he just got a preferred walk-on offer from the University of Washington, where David Sermon now works. Back in 1995, David Sermon, one of the leading tacklers for the Montana Grizzlies and a cerebral player that was a key contributor on a defense that helped Montana soar to heights they had never achieved before. Please enjoy Grizz Greats with David Sermon, inside linebacker for the University of Montana. Grizz Greats is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank of Missoula. happy now to welcome into Grizz Greats, a linebacker on the 1995 National Championship Grizzly football team. He was a senior the following season in 1996, originally from Walla Walla, Washington, David Sermon joining us. And David, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. You're there in Seattle, uh, a professor at the University of Washington now. How long have you been at Washington? Seven years now. Time flies in uh we came up from Texas A&M down in College Station, and, and uh, we're, we're getting closer to home as we move towards Seattle. No doubt. Uh, Seattle is significantly closer to Walla Walla than uh, College yeah. Station. I, I have never been to College Station. Uh, of course, everybody knows about the football and, and sort of the pageantry of it. But uh, compare and contrast for me, Washington, a, a, a campus, a school I know well, and, and College Station, which I know almost nothing about physically speaking. Yeah, both are both are elite institutions from an academic perspective, but their heritages are are, are different. You know, Texas A&M has a, a much more of a engineering, military, and still has some military uh, pageantry uh, connected with its football and and its uh, undergraduate. Washington uh, doesn't have that, but it has its heritage is growing up, you know, in a in a natural environment, fish and timber, but then really moving towards the professions and and higher levels of of engineering, of of medicine, uh, law, business. Uh and so 
they're both elite. They just have a different flavor of, of kind of their cultural and uh, heritage, and those are reflected in where they're located. Um, so it's been an interesting experience seeing both of them. Yeah, no doubt. And we will uh, you get a little bit more into that, especially some of the football side of the University of Washington, which uh, is uh, pretty important right now, especially in your life. So we'll get to that. But let's wind the clock back a little bit and uh, even go past 1995 into your time playing football in Walla Walla, Washington. And, and uh, you grew up there. It's your hometown. And what do you remember about about playing high school? How did you get into the sport? Because you, you know, the Sermons are a football family, if ever there was one. So where does that stem from? You know, my dad played football uh, in, in high school. He came from a, uh, a little rougher of a family than I experienced under him. And, uh, and football and my mom were really two bumpers that kept him on a narrow path. Without those, he would have uh, veered off. And so he played football at the University of Washington, and uh, uh, it was he was a, he was a great DN running back uh, out of Wenatchee. And so he has four boys: Thad, John, myself, and Peter. And we all play college football at different locations in the Northwest. And, and of course, Peter goes on to play with the Titans for five, seven, eight years, whatever it was, and and uh, is now coaching down at Cal Berkeley. But uh, yeah, football was part of our fabric of our of our life although it was never it was never like stressed it just is what it is it was what it was and uh and uh Thaddeus had a great career went to Oregon State John had a great career went to Idaho I thought I was going to actually go to Idaho uh but the Grizz were a better fit and at that time Idaho was a much more dominant program in 1992 mm-hmm. uh and, you know, Brad Lebo was just finishing up in his senior year, the my redshirt freshman year. And uh, then we had to select a new quarterback, and, and things changed quickly. Uh, and then have never really looked back. Now, now Montana did have some successes, no question, before that. Uh, Don had some successes. And there are some great Grizzlies that played deep in the playoffs before that. But the sustained level of success really pivoted or met, you know, mid nineties. Do you remember the moment when, uh, you first started learning about Montana when maybe the, the coaches first started reaching out to you or, or your recruiting pars- process initially started? Yeah. Bruce Reed, Don's son, special teams coach in Montana for a long time. Uh, he had, I guess, you know, Washington or Eastern Washington. I don't know what he had, but that was, and, uh, met him in a little stuffy, counselor office at Walla Walla High School, and uh, I didn't know much uh, other than I had seen them a year or two before uh, Idaho in the Kibbe Dome, and uh, shoot them, uh, they blocked a kick at the end, um, and it was an exciting game, and really had very little knowledge about Montana before that. Initially, were you leaning towards Idaho since you had a brother there and the Vandals, like you said? I mean, they did have uh, pretty much unparalleled success in the Big Sky Conference. When you talk about the '80s into the early 1990s, they were kind of the cream of the crop. So, um, were, were your initial inklings towards maybe joining your brother in Moscow? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I thought I was going to go to Idaho. It fit me. I knew it. Uh, the coaches liked me. Um, I liked them. Uh, but the recruiting process is exactly that. Some some uh, sorting mechanism that people kind of figure things out it's imperfect but uh, yeah I, I was I was I was drawn you know Don had a uh, kind of a I don't know down to earth ah shucks approach and uh, Dave Rees my position coach uh, was young and eager uh, and so I don't know. It just it, it really just did fit me. And I, I remember leaving my my recruiting trip, and they didn't offer me uh, at, during my recruiting trip. And they they had gotten some of my t- high school tape to, far enough to get along to uh, to invite me out, of course. And then they Gary Myers, my high school coach. And this is back. You're, you're not you're not like uh, sending huddle tape. This is you know you got to download or download. Right. you have to uh, transfer this to VHS and then FedEx this stuff. And then, I mean, it's, it's clunky at best. Uh, 
And I remember Dave calling me, or shoot, might have been Bruce, calling me and saying, hey, we're going to offer you. We finally got your full tape in, and we watched it, and, and so we're going to offer you. You know, it was one of those moments where at that point in your life, you're thinking, okay, if everything else goes south, at least this happened. Now, later in life, of course, it, it might be a little bit different, but it was a big, big deal. It was a big, big deal. To get that was that the life. first offer that you got? Uh, it was because Idaho started playing games. It was interesting. Idaho, which we all kind of thought was a done deal, um, but never had officially offered. And being as naive as I was, I, I guess I didn't notice. I didn't really know. Um, I didn't know enough. And so, yeah, it was my first offer, and it was, and that made that made what Idaho was doing near the end of this recruiting process all the more like, hmm, oh, I see what you're doing. You're you're playing a little bit between two kids, and 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 in the end, you know, your eyes open up and start saying, oh, I see how this works. Connections are what bring us together, whether halfway around the world or in the office next door. Blackfoot Communications is proud to provide next-generation network infrastructure that enables reliable, secure, and always-on connections. From SD-WAN and firewalls to business voice and fiber, our solutions connect you to your community. Visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 406-541-5000 to learn more. Blackfoot. Connect to more. So I'm interested to know because you have the ties and and really a lot of knowledge of of Idaho from a school and from a program standpoint. And even though you'd had your recruiting visit, my guess is you were still really kind of growing in your knowledge and what you thought. You know, obviously not having even been there, any kid, what the the experience might be playing football for the Grizzlies when you got to campus and you joined the team. What was it like for you to, to, to walk in and be a member of this football team and, and sort of stepping out of, you know, where your family had been and, and that kind of thing heretofore? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. My dad and mom were, were pretty adamant. Hey, go do your thing. Go do you. Go, go, go. And, uh, and so that, that really did kind of launch me to, yeah, I can do this. And, and going to Montana was, in the end, an incredibly – fortunate experience for me at the front end of it you didn't know and what don was doing really really well and uh how could now again and some of the coaches in between have gotten away from this um but they recruited the heck out of montana they brought the best kids in from basically washington and oregon and then a little bit of sprinkling of uh jc kids that was their that was their whole thing and so on a 20-person class, you might have, I don't know, 10, 12 Montana kids, three, four Washington kids, three, four uh, Oregon kids, and then two or three JC kids. And what that does is it creates a, a fabric in the program uh, where there is significant pride in the program for the Montana boys. And then the kids coming in from out of state, you know, at first you're kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure. And then you're like, you buy in. And and you get brought in, and and you're going fishing, and you're you're shooting guns, and you're going out, <laughs> and and you become part of this new fabric. And uh, if you get kids too far away, who don't necessarily want to buy into the Montana, uh, I don't know what to call it. Culture is a word a lot of people use, but this magical thing. Um, so Don had this thing pegged, and like I said. When coaches follow that formula, Montana is has the facilities, it has this culture, it has the school, it has the location, it has tradition. And when you get away from it, uh, I don't know, maybe you lose some of the Montana toughness that that marked uh, marks every successful football team. There's a mystique to Montana, right? Oh, there is. There is. You can't win national championships, be deep playoff runs yearly. Uh, graduate kids have a strong fabric of a culture between classes that span the active players to the, to the alumni. Uh, man, I remember sitting in playoff run meetings and, you know, old greats from the 89 team coming in and guys that played long before that. Uh, 
and you're like, yeah, and they they they're part of it. You're part of them, and it's it's a special thing. Do you remember your initial impressions of Missoula? I mean, because we're biased here, obviously. We chose to make our lives here. But uh, to me, and Moscow is a great college town, but really second to none, Missoula is one of the great college towns there is. So do you remember when you first stepped foot in, in the Garden City? Oh, man. I remember this as clear as day. I drove a little Bronco 2 from Walla Walla, Washington, old car, and uh, pulled off of Van Buren. I was hungry. I stopped at Taco Bell right there. And, uh, and I was kind of like lost. I don't really, I didn't really know what to do with myself. And so actually for, for about two hours, <laughs> I drove around and I got messed up in malfunction junction there before changed up, uh, was going around downtown. And, and I guess, I guess I was just seeing it from a different perspective, not on a recruiting trip in my own car. I'm on my own. And, uh, man, it just became, and this is the kind of, the, when I got lost those couple hours driving around, I would stop and I'd look up, find the M, and I'd get my bearing and, and, and be able to address where I was going. And it sounds funny, but man, I kind of found myself there. So Missoula, as a community and as a city and as a location, uh, it's incredible. You know, I mean, the, after my after the 96 season, we lose to Marshall in the, in the rematch. Uh, football's done me i know that and that's fine it was an incredible experience and i started riding a mountain bike up uh rattlesnake up way high in the rattlesnake and fishing that little stream and i was thinking five years later i'm still finding cool little things about missoula now not, not, not the rattlesnakes like something that you can't find but i wasn't doing that for the first five years and uh yeah you know the, when i uh started becoming a professor the whole point was i was talking to dean guy and business school there and I was like how do I get back to Montana how do I go back to Montana so we'll go get a PhD and you know, we can we can work it out and then other plans have come to transpire but that was always the, the, the plan or hope take us through your initial time with the Grizzlies then I mean what do you remember about being immersed into the Grizz culture what do you remember about just you know starting to play linebacker there were some great linebackers that were older guys ahead of you and so what do you remember just about yep. sort of the acclimation the position group the position the defense and the team yeah, so things were things were going well on the defensive side of the ball and the linebacker group because you had Danny Downs and Kurt Schilling, Doc Venters, uh, and others, and others. Uh, Dennis was there. And they were on the tail end of some greats before them. So the, the, the position group did not allow for much early playtime because there were kids that were good, established, uh, and ready to go. So you paid your dues on special teams. And, uh, yeah, I remember very clearly, you know, being pretty upset that, that I wasn't making it up the, up the, up the, the, the depth chart faster. And Kate, Dave Reeves was saying, Hey, look at who's here look who was here before them. And this is the process and, and, and keep on keeping on. And that's, that's what we did. And so my active group, you know, Crebo and Boucher and myself, our time came. Our time came, and it was a it was a great run. And um, yeah, so that that group was was well manned, well coached, and was orderly. And and you paid your dues, and you you did. And 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 then on the field, you have you know sophomores, juniors, seniors playing instead of freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and that's a that's a big difference in that position, that physicality. That dynamic is so interesting to me because we, we talk about this on our, our radio show all the time. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is sponsored by First Security Bank and Coulter. While First Security has long been a supporter of the University of Montana and UM Athletics, People might be surprised to know how much First Security Bank, in fact, influenced the University of Montana program and the path they were on directly. Back in 1993, the Grizz were on their way to their second ever berth in the Division I AA playoffs. Previously, in 1989, the only other time Montana had made it to the Division I AA playoffs. And at that time, 
first-round home games awarded via a bidding process. And so to help support the Grizz football team as well as fortify the faith throughout the community of Missoula, Bill Boucher, former president of First Security Bank, stepped up to the table to help the University of Montana guarantee any potential revenue lost for the first round of the playoffs. And, of course, that was recouped in a big way as the University of Montana in 1993 then started the first of 17 straight playoff berths. And in 1995, that local optimism was turned into national prominence as Montana made a run all the way to the 1995 National Championship. First Security Bank is proud to sponsor Grizz Greats and this 25-part podcast series commemorating the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions for Security Bank a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. Forever at Montana, you did have to pay your dues. There was no expectation that you were ever going to crack the lineup. I mean, you basically had to be Jason Crebo if you ever wanted to start before you were a junior, and and even he had to be you know in the program for three years before he was able to crack that that starting lineup. But, but I mean, even all the way into when I was in school in the mid two thousands, I mean, you had guys like Shan Chillinger who went on to be an NFL draft pick who didn't actually get to yeah. be a full-time starter until he was a fourth-year junior. But now it seems that the culture in college football has changed so much, and you've had an up-close and personal view with your son, your nephews, all these guys playing college football. It seems like the attitude's changed. Kids expect to play right away. What do you think just of that societal shift? That's a big question. That's a big question. <laughs> Indeed it so, is. <laughs> you know... My college experience is what I wanted all my boys to have uh, from a college football perspective. You know, if, if I would have loved and would love Jacob to have that experience. It's not available uh, as as readily as it once was. Even my brother Peter down in Oregon, I mean, they were playing uh, high-level Rose Bowl type football, and they still had uh, more of an experience we had at Montana than than, than the kids are having today. You know, social media with the professionalization of, of college sports at the call at the at the the training level, uh, the money to the coaches, the the media saturation. Um, yeah, so I, that is a big societal change. You know, it's it's amazing. Uh, if I had to go through what the kids are going through today with being slammed by old men behind keyboards uh yeah i probably would have still played because i love the game but it just wouldn't have had the specialness that it did for me i mean it just gets bastardized and hurtful and mean-spirited and so the fan has become the fanatic and so these are not, all these changes are not good you know i do think the changes for letting kids uh move is is positive because like any person as they grow and change maybe it's not a great fit but um I, I think the real problem is the money and the money follows the interest and the fans and so who we have to blame for this is ourselves in some sense um we didn't have much you know uh stack and hack in the equipment office they we we, we couldn't we couldn't really take much equipment home and wear, you know, Brad Montana gear. He, he, they ran a pretty tight ship because there wasn't much money. And, and uh, that was all good. It was. We didn't know any different. And now you watch these kids in their, I mean, the, 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 the uh, uniforms and the bling, and it's like, ah, that, I can see why you think it's fun, but that's not the essence of college football. But that's what it's become. So I, I guess I don't, I'm kind of rambling. It's a hard answer. Um, I think if every kid could have played college football today, they could have had my experience at Montana, my, my guys' experiences at Montana, uh, my teammates. Well, they trade bling for for that experience in a, in a millisecond because it was meaningful. It was it was real, and it wasn't. Uh, wasn't kind of foo-foo make-believe in some virtual world where I get likes because of it. David, I want to shift now into that special experience that you referenced from the football standpoint and specifically the 1995 season. You guys enter that season, uh, I think, with 
from the guys that we've talked to, high expectations, but not necessarily this thing, at least at the beginning, like, hey, we're going to go win a national championship. You knew you'd made some deep runs, and I think you knew how talented the team was. But when you return, that was a great graduating class in 94 that was not there. And even though your class was an outstanding junior class, the senior class in that 95 season was very talented, but not very deep. There wasn't a ton of guys in it. What did you think about your prospects as a group going into 1995? Hmm. Okay, got to be unbiased here and move back to that summer preceding the fall camp of 95. Uh, we were thinking, let's win the Big Sky. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we want to win the Big Sky. We want to beat Montana State. You want to win the Big Sky, and then you want to win the national championship. And then, you know, that third goal – as Don would say, a third season, uh, a second season, depends on how you want to call the Montana State game as a season or not by itself. But uh, it was emphasized, but it was late. It was late. I mean, it's now, you know, 12 games in before you get to that season. And so it's, it's, it's win the big sky, no question. And the rest will take care of itself. And so that 95 run began years before, clearly. Uh, 93, uh, 93, we lose at in Delaware at home. Yeah. I have my first interception as a Grizz that game and it was a bizarre game. And, you know, Erickson is in the end zone defending a pass and it's the most one in a billion chances that the kid actually catches this ball and, you know, it, it is what it is. It happened. And now it, it wasn't that play, but it was just that type of player. Like, how'd that, how'd that occur? That, that didn't – that doesn't happen. And they, they – the ball bounced their way. So that team was prime. That 94 team was prime from 93. Okay, 94 comes around, and we make a deep run and get smacked at uh, Youngstown in a yeah. downpour of rain. I remember being in the showers afterwards, and uh, just, see, just seeing the finality and the, and the immediacy of the season being over and, and some of the guys' careers being over. And it wasn't a joyous time, even though we had made it so deep. 95 comes around, and, uh, you know, let's win the big sky. But we were replacing so many people, backers, safeties, um, receive i mean it's it's a lot of new people like you're saying so the bulk of that 95 team becomes the 96 seniors and then the 95 seniors play a critical role and there's a few younger kids but jason uh and others but it it it, it was it, i don't think anyone was saying hey let's win the national championship now we knew dave was was pretty magical himself but you know one guy doesn't make a team and so uh, through that season, confidence is growing and growing, and, and, and the sophistication of the defensive capacity was beginning to match what we were doing on offense. You know, Jerome had us going, and, uh, and we, were, we were kids that were long into the system, and, and there was talent and there was knowledge and there was chemistry between us on the defensive side of the ball and, um, and on special teams, which defenders usually, you know, uh, support most of the special teams or largely. And so over time that defensive side came along and you saw it in the, in the playoff run where we threw shutouts. Um, and, and, and the, the offense is clearly exploding. It had been for a while and the defense came along and I, I don't know when we started thinking national championship. I really don't because we had to win the big sky you have to crush Montana State. And then the playoffs come, and we had seat ourselves high, and we have a lot of home games, which were the most incredible experience having all the Montana fans <clears throat> in Washington Grizz and, and, and beating the snot out of a couple of Southern teams. Uh, how fun was that? And making those deep runs at home before having to travel. So I would imagine, if I was being truthful, it wasn't until we were getting close to wrapping up that Big Sky Championship that that people really started thinking how far can we go in the playoffs
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Well, it's interesting because, especially in sports, people say, well, you got to believe. you got to believe in yourself, believe in your team, et cetera, et cetera. But also that belief is sort of uh, uh, built on experience and things that happen. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys have cited the Washington State game early on, then the Boise State game later uh, as as moments where – that feeling of hey, like we we thought we were pretty good, but now we know or believe that we are really good, and maybe are are yeah. starting to build towards something special. And then, of course, that run—I mean, un- unbelievable—the three games in Washington Grizz in the postseason as well. So it seems like all of that was just building throughout the course of the year, right? It was. It was building, and you know, I remember. I remember uh, a couple of those backers calling a defensive meeting for everybody and, and wheeling an old VHS TV into an old room uh, and putting us all in there and watching the 94 Youngstown game. And it, But what we did, this is player-led, we didn't watch Youngstown's offense, which dif- dif- what most defenders watch is the opponent's offense. We watched uh, Youngstown's defense and their defense against us the year before. And, and the one thing that, that we were in the linebacker room watching this with, with uh, Reeves, and we all said, we've got to get our whole defense to watch this. What we saw is 11 hats around the ball every snap uh, around the tackle. And the way that team, that Youngstown team, flew as a unit to the ball. There were very few one-person tackles. Uh, and that just, that just leads to something different, you know, you get guys ready to scoop and score, fumble recoveries. You overwhelm. Uh, it's demoralizing. Just that energy they played with was, and how they finished the plays as a defense, 11 hats on a screen near the ball. We watched that, and, and I'm not saying there's any magical about it, but, but we were playing good football. We were going to win the big sky. And now we're going to be – Playing in a level that we knew we could get and face a Youngstown's type team, but if we played like they played on defense with the offense that we had, now the belief was really becoming uh, tangible. We can win this thing, um, and uh, you saw the playoff run. You know, they, they. I think in the third game, I think it was the third game, one team scored in the first drive, and they didn't score again. And before that, there were shutouts. Mm-hmm. That defense came alive to match the offensive production that had been going on for a while. Well, you've mentioned in passing a couple of your coaches, uh, but tell us a little bit about both Jerome Sowers and David Reed. I know Mike Boucher had some pretty funny stories about uh, about Coach Reeves, but uh, first, to start with Jerome, I, I, he's a guy that I've worked with a lot in my career. I always love his intellectuality and his ability to speak, his calm demeanor. But how do you remember that influencing uh, your guys' defense as a whole? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's taken me time after my career to really give to give full credit to what the coaches did. Uh, you know, as I've grown, I've learned the game a lot more, and I coach it in the high school level and stuff like that. And so I, I didn't fully appreciate how much work those guys did. And they get so underappreciated for, for how that defense transformed that, I mean, if you hear those stories about how they were flabbergasted about that, I think it was the 89 team that lost to Georgia Southern. And and we played uh, Georgia Southern at some point. I can't remember which year it was. And we smoked those guys. And I remember uh, Reeves, he was out there pre-practice 15 minutes before pre- – we had to go out 15 minutes before pre-practice. And he was cutting us. Uh, waiting for the, like that fullback or whoever the tackle is going to come out and cut on an option uh, schematics scrimmage scheme. And, and and they were fired up. But they had some great stuff. And so Boo can tell the, the funny stories. I'll, I'll, I'll talk of one schematic story, which, which is probably under, 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 
not well understood. We're playing in the national championship, 95. Uh, Brian and Randy get a safety. And and in the end, after Andrew's kick, those two points is the game winner, right? Yep. Um, okay, why does does the quarterback pull down and get a safety in his in his in his in his end zone. I mean, he's not a fool. He's he's a well coached kid. He's a kid from a coaching family. Uh, his dad's a coach. So Jerome, on the back end, we knew by personnel formation down distance, uh, and especially in in critical situations, what they wanted to do. They wanted to throw it to their tight end, who was an NFL kid. And so we had a special call. We had a special call. And so basically Blaine and I would bracket that tight end outside. I'd be outside low and he'd be inside high. Uh, and then the mic or the inside backer would have, have that inside uh, short, but they didn't want to throw inside short because they were there. The down distance required a, a deeper ball. And I remember Chad dropping back, putting his eyes on, on the tight end. I do my bracket outside. He pulls up Blaine's right inside and now he starts to move his eyes from his right to his left, and all of a sudden the boys get him. So that's that's the type of thing that was completely Jerome and Paulson and 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 Reeves. Those guys spent so much time on tape that they uh, won the game. I mean, now we executed it, and yeah, good for us, but they won the game. And so I don't know if that, that story gets told much. And then when I look back at that play, I get disappointed in myself. So I, I always think, dang it, I should have baited him into throwing that ball, undercut it, and heck with the B-Boys getting a safety. Let's get a pick six. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the greatest But part. I did what I was told to do. And that's why our team won, because 11 guys did what they're supposed to do. No doubt. Well, it ended. Now it's a great moment in the history of Butte America, too, right? Now, now Tune and, oh. and Randy Riley can tell that story till they die. Yeah, those suckers. And that's the way they tell the story is, hey, we sacked him. We kicked the crap out of the tackle center guard. Basically picked up all three of those guys. <laughs> and Grizz Nation can really thank us. <laughs> and that's exactly what defensive linemen do. They go forward, and they don't think about the back seven at all. Anyway, we so took, you we, can tell Tune and Riley, real football was played in the back end for those boys to get their their credit. <laughs> well, we told we told those guys once they retire, if they ever need some extra beer money, they can just rent out a bar in Butte once a year and just tell that story. And I bet you hundreds of people would come listen to them tell it over and over and over again. <laughs> yep, and they won't tell the best part because they're liars. <laughs> No, they, they, clearly their their rush was something, right? You know, they had to win that. They had to win their one on ones up front. Uh, but that was that was that was the defense. Jerome and Paulson and 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 Reeves putting that together. I mean, that is a gold nugget um, that you know you don't know if it's ever going to see. But yeah, well, there we were. They're backed up. They're in a third down or whatever down it was. A throw down. They throw us the formation, the personnel setup. We check to our bracket. He comes to the tight end just like the, he's supposed to. The tight end is eaten up both sides, has to change his perspective, and takes Butte in the face. So that's 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 good football. And so I'm sure there's some funny stories, and 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 Boucher can tell them well. But they were good football coaches. There's a reason we won, and we had good dudes on the field, but we had good coaches out there too. Larson. Kicks the field goal. You're up two, 39 seconds left. At this moment, most of the guys that we've spoke to either have no memory whatsoever of what happened or they have a very specific single memory but no sort of context within it. It just sort of became a blur, it seems like. Is that what happened for you, or do you have recollection of having to make you know uh, 39 seconds uh, of of defense and then uh you know into the celebration of winning the first national championship in the history of the school yeah my blur becomes a little earlier <laughs> my blur was the throw to Earhart on fourth down on the on the on the drive uh, for Andy's kick right that was a 
you know, you ever play a game with your buddies and you're like, hey, you got to do that three times in a row and you make it progressively harder? Well, this is like the hundredth time you're asked to throw an inside seam slant ball and all the marbles are on the table and if the ball is not hot and you don't convert, that, that, that this season is a uh, good season, good job, guys. That That moment was really something else. I mean, it was something else. I mean, they completed the darn ball. I mean, this was for everything. And then you got to kick, and then you have the transition, and now we're on defense. So my blur begins right after Earhart catches that catch on fourth down. Now we have, you know, the the kick, and, and, and you know, you can talk to guys that were on protecting the kick, and it was good, but it was good by a, a little bit. Right. And uh, so there's my, my, my recollection really gets blurry there. The next thing I truly remember is the game's over. I, I don't even know what the play sequence was in that last 39 seconds. I know they kicked a long try, which was almost like a futile attempt. I don't know what they're thinking. But maybe they just had no chance to throw the ball that far. They didn't try to hook and ladder. I don't know what they're uh, – yeah. So I really I – don't, I don't know what happened in that game. I remember seeing Mike Kowalski – uh, running up, grabbing my face mask, shoulder pads, and and that's my first remem- kind of clear memory is uh, Kowalski kind of shaking me and and smiling and you know celebrating and then and then we're back into reality taking pictures and not really fully understanding what we just did. It was another game. Yeah, it's a big game. We won. That's cool. Uh, I don't know if we understood at that point in time, twenty-year-old kids that we'd be talking about it 25 years later. You know, some guys in that moment, in those, you know, minutes on the field after the game and even into the locker room afterwards, the immediate aftermath, have voiced certainly elation, maybe a certain level of almost numbness, like not really mm-hmm. sort of getting to that perspective of of, of what had been done. Uh, you know, certainly some joy, certainly maybe even some melancholy about it being over, maybe not right away, but some, some, some just emotion about it. What was your feeling as you recall it? Yeah, I, I tended towards more of the, the, the melancholy. We love playing ball together, and that was it. We won. Great. Never going to say anything negative about that. But we wanted to keep on playing. I mean, uh, again, that 94 team – it lost in a downpour at Youngstown, and just the, the vividness of that finality uh, for those guys, those seniors, and the immediacy of you're up next, and, and now we're 95. And now 95, we, we, we win it. We accomplished the, the, the third season. If Again, if you take Montana State as its own season. Uh, we won all three seasons, and but now it's over, and I, you don't want it to be over. The competitor, the teammate, wants to keep on playing. And so there was probably, if I was being honest, it sounds weird, but a little bit more kind of down. Now, probably not as down as some of our seniors who were done playing ball or if they were going to play pro ball, it was uh, it was, was going to be a, a, a tough sequence of, of struggle to get there. But uh, so I have another year. My group has another year, my, my, my recruiting class. But – Dang it. We wanted to keep on playing. We wanted to play. And so wonderful to win, but kind of almost embarrassing to say. A little bit of disappointment that the season was over. Coulter, in 1993, the Grizz football team was looking to host its first playoff game of the decade and just its second season of playoffs in school history. As we know, you got to have – some financial backing to guarantee a home game, and former First Security Bank president Bill Boucher stepped up, spearheading a group of local business owners to guarantee that bid for UM Athletics, and that commitment from First Security Bank to UM has never wavered. Bill Boucher, Gordy Fix, several other business owners around the city of Missoula certainly had a huge influence in stepping up, certainly some of the first true believers in what Grizz football could become and what they could mean to the Missoula community. Two years later, in 1995, the University of Montana had turned that local optimism into national prominence. 
The Grizz won the Division One AA National Championship, the first national title in the history of the university. And 25 years later, First Security Bank is still proud to sponsor the Grizzlies. First Security Bank, a presenting sponsor for Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering that epic 1995 season. First Security Bank, proud sponsor of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. But then once you get back to Missoula and everything sinks in, I'm sure that the uh, the elation overcomes. Oh, so tell us about you know the, the next 48 to 72 hours after you guys got back to town. Well, some of this is not good for radio, I suppose. It was. We're rough. not on the radio, David. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. Dancing on bar talk. <laughs> some of your fans being extra <clears throat> supportive. Oh, jeez. It was, you know, it. <laughs> it's the closest that I'll ever become for a moment of feeling what it feels like to be a rock star. Yeah. So, and I'm just a linebacker on this team. I don't know what, what Dave was feeling. Uh, but man, it was fun. I mean, you fly in and there's people at the airport, you bust down and people are cheering. They let us out and the bars don't close and you roll into these bars and it, was it was fun it would be fun to be a rock star let me say that. <laughs> right goodness um, gracious that was awesome just briefly though since you were a part of that obviously senior on the 96 team coach reed retires a couple months thereafter i know that that was a surprise to just about everybody when that happened yep uh yep but you know, they – you knew – you know, they, they obviously moved Mick up and everybody basically stays in place and you knew the talent that you had and, and pretty soon people recognize that Brian Ayotte ain't that big a step down. He's a pretty good player yeah, and quarterback. Yeah. And, yep. and that was, you know, by a lot of accounts, just, you know, team to team, maybe the best team of the whole, of the whole run, that 96 group. Tell us about that season and that run and, and your senior year. Oh, it was a great time. You know, it was a great time up to the very end. Uh, and, and I was a part of some great teams, uh, and, and I'm a very close monitor. And there were some great teams after there. You have another national championship team after and, and deep run playoff teams after. And, and, and Bobby's going to get us back to that stage again. But, but uh, I would argue, and I'm sure Johansi and Dave would argue back and Simo, but – that 96 team was better than 95, and 95 was better than 94. And all three of those teams were in the top 10 teams in Montana history. It was a really special group of people and coaches at that moment in time. So, uh, yeah, we don't win. We don't win. Uh, we don't win that 96 season for one specific reason, and, and he's a Hall of Famer now. Um, Correct. And that, that, I mean – that is it. I think if Drome would do it again on defense, on punt team, punt return team, you usually have two guys out there on the gunners, the, the farthest, widest out guys, and, and you beat them up so you can't stop the punt return. If we were going to play that team again, I think everyone on the 96 team would vote this. Let's play nine versus ten. And we'll take two of our biggest defensive linemen and knock the piss out of Moss. <laughs> and we'll go two-on-one with him at the line of scrimmage, and we will beat him up. And we'll play nine-on-ten with the rest of y'all. If we'd done that, we'd have had a better chance to win. But when he is able to take a pro NFL safety in Blaine McElmurray, who has an angle on him, and I'm trotting behind it thinking, damn it, and able to shift into a gear and pull away from an NFL safety. Um, at the moment in time, and especially on the flight home, we were mad, disappointed, embarrassed. But when you watch Moss's career play out, he was a very uniquely gifted football player. And, 
and we were unable to defend him. Randy was, was more than we could take. Yeah, Blaine was not the last NFL safety that Randy Moss ran away from, that is for sure. Uh, David, I want to get into your post-career because it's so interesting. You graduated from the University of Montana, then got your MBA from Montana in 1997, worked for a little while, but you already alluded to, you know, even asking a professor, hey, how do I make it back to Montana? And you chose to go the route of of the academic. You got your PhD at Arizona State in 2004 and kind of worked around from Clemson to Texas A&M and now back to the University of Washington. What was it ultimately, mm-hmm. though, that you decided that that going an academic route, getting your doctorate, and, and, and becoming a professor was the right path for you? Well, I was probably always a little nerdy. And that 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 kind of uh, academic bent was really fit me well, fit me well. But but really, I'm looking at my professors at, at the business school, of Montana. I'm thinking this is like a pretty good gig, uh, and I love Missoula more than anything else. And all I want to do is stay here. Um, how, how do I do this? This sounds like it kind of fits everything. And uh, and guy Chad, the dean of the business school, said, "Yeah, man, go get, go get your PhD." He suggested the program, the the area study. I was like, "All right, all right, I'll I'll do it, Larry." Anyway, so uh, my whole plan, my whole purpose, I sold my wife on it. Robin, hey, we're gonna get this PhD, and then we're gonna come back and live life in Montana, Missoula. Uh, in this in this academic pursuit, there's there's two major tasks. There's teaching, and then there's this thing we call research. And uh, and the research element is the one that is uh, uh, more scarce. Not everyone is really very good at it. Uh, teaching, you know, not everyone's good at it, but but that's, there's more there's more good ones than 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 in the research side. And for whatever reason, this research thing worked out for me. And publishing and becoming uh, an effective academic was it fit me well. And so. That changed my career path to to emphasizing research, which draws you to different types of institutions at different time points in your career because of resources and other researchers being there who have a similar set of questions that they're looking at. And so that's, you know, my first job at Clemson was my first job, but Texas A&M was a great fit for me in my research with the resources they had and the people they had there and the questions that were being asked fit me well. And so your, 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 my career track changed away from, I wanted to get to Montana to, I want to be a great researcher. And that requires being at places where there's some mutual fit uh, on the research side. And so it never worked out at Montana, which still hurts my heart. But, yeah, who knows? Maybe someday in the future. But you have had a direct family connection to Missoula the last handful of years. One of your nephews, Cy, comes and plays for the Montana Grizzlies. He was a great player on last year's team, uh, a captain yep. and, and an all-big sky guy. And I, I know one of your nieces, Claire, was working at the Sports Information Department. And now Camden, uh, John's third child it leads Missoula Central to their first uh, state championship since 1972 so a lot of sermon ties still in Missoula uh, what's that been like for you to kind of keep your eye on the Garden City uh, through some specific family connections yeah it's been great it's been great and I hope there's gonna be more in the future so you know I have a couple of small boys and, and Cam's age but Washington didn't play football this year and, and we're heartbroken he led his team as a junior to the state finals in our highest classifications, and he is a fabulous football player. I mean, the kid, everything he touched turns to gold. It's an amazing deal. But he hasn't he has has no senior tape. And so this is a sad moment for him. We're not certain exactly what happens to Andrew because his identity is wrapped up in this game, but the state of Washington did not proceed with the football. And so, you know, I don't know where he goes. Does he does he walk on somewhere? Does he? There's a lot of what ifs there. And uh, so, and then Danny and Sam, my next two boys, one, two, three, four of those boys end up in Montana somehow.
Grizz Grace, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions podcast series, commemorates Montana's epic run to its first national crown. Now, you have a chance to own a piece of history by purchasing a custom piece of art specifically commissioned to accompany this epic archiving of history. The one-of-a-kind painting features Hall of Fame quarterback Dave Dickinson, legendary Grizz head coach Don Reed, and Andy Larson, the Helena native who drilled the game-winning kick to lift Montana to a 22-20 victory over Marshall on December 16, 1995. Secure this limited edition work of art while supplies last to ensure no Grizz fan ever forgets that historic moment. To purchase number 195 championship, a one-of-a-kind painting by former Grizz wide receiver Ryan Bagley, visit rbagley3.com or check out grizzgreats.com and click on the link or you can visit the ESPN Missoula Facebook page for more information. From full-size canvases that are professionally framed to prints, hooded sweatshirts, and t-shirts, don't miss your chance to get this one-of-a-kind painting by a Montana artist for the great people of Montana. Visit rbagley3.com or grizzgreats.com to make your purchase today. Well, we also wanted to take a moment and, and highlight your son, Jacob, who's a quarterback at the University of Washington. I think you got another nephew who's a linebacker, right, Jackson, on the team. So we got just yep. the next generation of sermons. I mean, everybody else could just quit because we got it all covered here in the sermon family. <laughs> uh, I'm interested, though, because uh, – uh, uh, you know, Jacob's been great. It's a very interesting quarterback room. Even got a, a big sky tie with Kevin Thompson transferring into that group. Um, but also a coaching change, obviously, with Jimmy Lake now taking over. What's it been like for you as a father? You kind of you know kind of what's going on in, in, in football, especially at the college level and stuff, and to see your son at the highest level of football that's played in America and not just playing it, but as a quarterback as well and a new coach. Like, well, what, What's that experience been for you at UW? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of that's a lot of question there, and uh, so the University of Washington has had great success uh, under Peterson and now Jimmy. Uh, Jacob has grown as a man, uh, as a football player, tremendously in this experience, and uh, so it's been it's been positive. It's been positive. Now it hasn't been the the dream that you that most young boys have when they say they're going to play somewhere and they're going to be a four year starter and all that. It hasn't played out quite like that for Jacob. So we'll see how it continues to go. But so many positives, and the quarterback room, like every room in football, needs to be competitive, uh, and 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 it certainly is. Uh, Jacob's going two new offenses from Pete's to now John Donovan's offense. Uh, he doesn't know it, but he's being he's being groomed to be an incredible football coach. Uh, the detail and knowledge and tells he can identify so quickly on the field or on tape, um, the sophistication to which football is understood now is just is just radically higher than than my experience actually as a player. And so yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been uh, challenging. It's been uh, growth. Um, and he's got three years left. He'll have three more years of eligibility, and so we're uh, we're excited for him. He graduates as an undergraduate. Yeah, I think he has ten credits left. So he's done well academically, and so this has been a real positive growth experience for Jacob. And uh, and, and when you play at the highest level, you get great coaching, and you go against the greatest of players. Uh, the the experience though is much more professional than than a lot of people would anticipate. Uh, these kids are, are 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 young professionals. They really are. They take their 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 responsibilities seriously. They work hard, and uh, and there's good and bad in that. It, it's not the it's not the same level of camaraderie that I experienced at Montana, but I don't know if that exists in many places anymore. Um, because of this, I'll just say professionalization, it's uh, it's it's a different it's a different beast than it was uh, years ago. And you hear that in a lot of coaches as they lament how recruiting has changed, and and uh, they lament transferring, although they transfer in themselves often too to different jobs. So you know it's just the way the the it has changed, and uh, there's good with that, and there's 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 some, I don't know about bad, but there's different in that as well. And so 
a lot of question there. I don't know if I answered much much of it, but uh, it's been a growth experience. It sounded like the answer of a professional researcher, and for that, I am appreciative. David Sermon. <laughs> there you go. Joining us on Grizz go. Greats. David, thank you for sharing the memories, the history, and the stories with us. We, we really appreciate it. A wonderful perspective. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions Podcast Series, commemorates Montana's epic run to its first national crown. Now, you have a chance to own a piece of history by purchasing a custom piece of art specifically commissioned to accompanying this epic archiving of history. The one-of-a-kind painting features Hall of Fame quarterback Dave Dickinson, legendary Grizz head coach Don Reed, and Andy Larson, the Helena native who drilled the game-winning kick to lift Montana to a 22-20 victory over Marshall on December 16, 1990. Secure this limited edition work of art while supplies last to ensure no Grizz fan ever forgets that historic moment. To purchase number 195 championship, a one-of-a-kind painting by former Grizz wide receiver Ryan Bagley, visit rbagley3.com or check out grizzgreats.com and click on the link or you can visit the ESPN Missoula Facebook page for more information. From full-size canvases that are professionally framed to prints, hooded sweatshirts, and t-shirts, don't miss your chance to get this one-of-a-kind painting by a Montana artist for the great people of Montana. Visit rbagley3.com or grizzgreats.com to make your purchase today. Thank you for listening to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. Grizz Greats is available on all of your podcasting platforms, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Transistor. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. To find all the Grizz Greats, you can just search Grizz Greats on your platforms, or you can visit grizzgreats.com or 1029ESPN.com and click on the podcast tab. Chris Greats is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank of Missoula.